0: We have a lot of respect for people who practice different religions, and our purpose with this podcast is to simply identify and deconstruct problematic evangelical ideologies.
1: Oh, hi there! I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. whoa, whoa! Whoa! It seems like it needs a little more work, but that's the exciting part because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology? Hey everyone,
2: Uh,
0: on today's episode, we're talking about Promises, Promises, originally aired January of 1988. Candace, would you like to share, uh, introduce our special guest today?
1: Today we have a special crossover from the Androids and Assets podcast, our sister podcast. Please welcome our guest, Stephen.
2: Hello. Hi. Hey.
1: Also a former Christian, very well aware I, of.
2: I prefer the term lapsed. I am a lapsed Anglican. I haven't, I haven't actively renounced my Christianity yet. I haven't joined another religion. I haven't, uh, you know, given my soul unto unto Satan. Uh, so I'm, I, think I, I describe myself as a lapsed Anglican.
1: Not an, not an evangelical, which was a problem when we first started dating because there was some concern by some people that Stephen might not have a personal relationship with jesus
2: that's true i allowed the queen of england to mediate my faith
1: to clarify
0: candace and stephen though they are of sister podcasts they are also married because that was not previously clarified
1: (laughs) you're right it wasn't if you listen to androids and assets you may have figured it out based on little hints we've been dropping
2: like we talked about the children we had together on the yeah <laughs>
1: we never we never exclusively said we had them together yeah uh, but at one point you did talk about my labor so you know <laughs> yeah.
2: it's <a> subtle subtle
1: <laughs> so despite being anglican he was still exposed to adventures in odyssey and actually had a much broader exposure than we did because they had all of them up until like all the new ones up until you kind of outgrew them
2: yeah, basically.
1: Do you want to tell us um, about your personal experience with Adventures in Odyssey? I mean,
2: yeah, sure. Our, sorry, our family was Anglican, but my mother had a, had a brush with, with a branch of charismatic Anglicanism. So that meant that we got a lot of evangelical co- like crossover content in our house. And also, I think just there being a lot of evangelical content in the Christian sphere as well. Uh, so, yeah, I did definitely get exposed to that. I once uh, I was in grade six sent to a Christian school and that and it was an evangelical school that really forged my Anglican identity because it was like hey I'm not I'm not even the same religion as you guys (laughs) Uh, but
1: but they said it
2: yeah well they they also said it too you're not
1: a Christian just like Catholics aren't really Christians if you're evangelical yeah uh
0: sorry I did interrupt you earlier I kind of want to hear a little bit more about how people were concerned about your relationship because he wasn't really Oh, a
1: well, I mean, I just... I heard that from our dad. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, and I'm not sure if I heard it from him or if I heard it through Mom. Like, oh, your father is concerned. Right. Because... No, no, Dad definitely told me. Like, we had a conversation once where he said that he didn't think Stephen had a personal relationship with Jesus, which was true, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't seem very concerned about the status of my personal relationship with Jesus. Right. But, you know, if I had married someone who was a more spiritual head of my relationship, our relationship, then I probably wouldn't be the heathen that I am today. You wouldn't have strayed from the faith. Yeah. It's too bad that all the dudes like that just suck seriously except you listener i'm sure if you are a guy
2: christian guy
1: christian guy and you're listening to our podcast you're probably one of the good ones but there's no good ones <laughs> <laughs> uh, just get out that's spoiler what I'm alert. i
0: get be... out man
2: get out
1: <laughs> if you want to be a good one get out yeah and if you want the yeah. faith
2: not this podcast no stay in this podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wanted to hear I wanted to hear more of your story.
2: Oh, I guess I, I think like I think as being a, a rather uh, verbose oratund <clears throat> and sesquipedalian youngster. I, I was affixed with the with the nickname Eugene which is for people which uh, is a was a character on Adventures in Odyssey and that was psychologically damaging in a variety of ways
1: so when we are introduced to eugene we'll definitely have you back yeah <laughs> to talk about that we want a deep dive into your psychic eugene trauma
2: <laughs> i don't know it's trauma It's just a weird it was a weird it's a, he's a weird character and he per- serves a weird function in the taxonomy of christian masculinity
1: mm-hmm. and that's
2: and that's mm. super weird but we'll, we'll definitely focus more about that on Eugene. But we have a much more... I think we have a topic today that I'm much more interested in. And this episode glances off of the subject of Israel.
1: It does in a very weird... It's a weird episode. I'm excited to get into it. Should we give a quick summary?
2: Have, we, have you at any point on this podcast talked about what Focus on the Family is as an organization?
1: We We haven't really just we fo we focused up until this point mostly on adventures in odyssey i think we want to um get a little bit ahead of our episodes and then we can start doing some research into them as an organization because i am interested i mean i know they have fingers in lots of pies
2: they're a very complex organization with a very like interesting and bizarre history
1: i know i at one point signed up for their emails oh i did a relationship test a focus okay. on the family relationship test to test our relationship um how did we do well we were lacking in two areas okay which were uh, spiritual um basically we aren't christian so we failed that
2: mm-hmm.
1: that the being christian thing okay. that makes your relationship good <laughs> which, apparently
2: which is important for relationships all relationships uh, apparently yeah.
1: um and also we failed at community because although we have a very strong and loving and caring and beautiful community it was not a church <laughs>
2: right yeah. so yeah.
1: our marriage did it only did okay we it did a... really well in the other things right. which were like communication and you know like all those things but then anything spiritual
2: yeah. um we just we failed straight so, up failed so we did about as well as the world's one billion muslims
1: they probably would do better because they go to church. <laughs> they
2: go because they go yeah. to yeah, okay.
0: So all the minor things like communication and loving each other and, you know, not as big of a deal as long as you're spiritual.
1: Also, it would be interesting to revisit that just to check for language because I just kind of was curious about the overall... I did it just for fun because I was curious about the overall, what they were looking for in a relationship, but it would be fun to kind of dissect the language because there is... All that kind of toxic gendered language, you know, that BS like women need love and men need respect. If you want to hear Stephen and I take a Christian marriage quiz on uh, our podcast, then tweet us at ideologypod. And if we get 50 retweets, we will do that and we will post it in an in-between week. Okay, I'm going to read the summary from the Adventures in Odyssey wiki for Promises Promises. Connie makes a resolution to be more patient no matter what, which turns out to be far more difficult than she imagined. Let's dive in.
0: Uh, So the general premise of this episode is that Connie is writing a letter to her best friend, Marcy, who's back in L.A. And so it cuts between Connie narrating what she's writing and situations that are happening as she's talking about them or examples of what she's talking about essentially
1: so she starts out she's like sorry it's been so long since i wrote or sorry i haven't written my life is so busy with school and my mom is really sad because her dad left them and we got a dog and his name is kitty
2: and you will never hear about him again
1: I uh, yeah other than this episode I don't I don't think there's any reference to Connie having a dog which you think would come up you know like as she's out and about in town like walking
0: the dog
1: if you remember any episode where other episode where it mentions anything about Connie's dog let us know so then she talks about working at wit's end and how the people are kind of strange like Tom Riley
2: and then it cuts to wit and Tom doing essentially an Abbott and Costello routine It's like, I'm spending the night with Robert Louis Stevenson. In other words, he's going to read. Tom is very obtuse about it. They do a whole vaudeville bit, and it's not funny. (laughs) Like, it's amazing how not funny it is. And these kids are not laughing either. And then Connie writes in her journal, it's hilarious. The kids love it.
1: Hashtag Christian comedy, am I right? Look up John, no, don't, yeah. do not look up John Christ, yeah. but it's about as funny as that. Actually, I find his comedy very triggering. I it's, showing... it's
2: funnier than, it's funnier than Christ. Yeah. It's funnier than yeah.
1: Christ, yeah. His stuff is just. Also, like, he's really gross. gross. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: he is, yeah. yeah. Didn't, he get, didn't he get me to'd? Yeah. 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 I mean, his comedy is all like bitches, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fellas? Yeah, his
1: yeah. comedy is all like, look, we're a Christian family. The dudes are useless losers and the women are literally doing everything and the men are ragging on them. Isn't it funny? (laughs) That's basically, it's awful. So I realized that this interaction with Wit and Tom, he talks about reading Robert Louis Stevenson and this messaging, these kind of books, these classic books are things that are worthwhile to read. You know, if Wit's doing it, then it's something that is good and worthwhile and wholesome. Right. Cause he doesn't watch TV. He doesn't watch movies, but he will read because that is like an intellectual thing to do. And that's wholesome, which I, I really internalized that I must read all the classics in order to be well read. And because they have so much more wisdom than anything written yep. now.
0: Totally. It's interesting just how it contrasts with the next statement
1: that kong makes (laughs) okay so then she goes on to write in her letter he's not stuck up and he's the farthest thing from a bookworm all the kids in town think he's great except they just spent a scene an entire scene talking about how he reads like only great literature only
2: classic american literature yeah not a bookworm guys
1: and then it cuts to him telling a joke to a kid i can prove to you i'm not here yeah. that
0: her whole section about him is very hero worshipy. Yeah, it's, it's very, oh, gross. it is the greatest thing ever. And it's just, it's this weird, gross thing, like Candace said. Yeah, yeah, she's, like, gushing about him and how great he is and how wonderful he
2: is. I guarantee you, 16-year-olds in 1987 are not writing about how great various old men are.
1: (laughs) Um, This is the beginning of 1988, and I think you'll find that a lot changed in that month.
2: It was all the rage, briefly.
1: So then she says things about him like, when you talk, he really listens. Wit is different. You just want to open up to him. Oh, and he's a Christian.
0: There's something about him that makes you want to open up to him. (laughs) That's the thing. Is like, that's such a Christian trope. Of, you know, oh, well, well, you just want to make sure that people realize that there's something about you that's different and that they want to be more like you. And it's like, he has that, I don't know what quality.
1: Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, je ne sais quoi. But you know what it is because it's because he's a Christian. That's what they want you to believe. Or because he's a sociopath.
2: Light and salt, guys.
1: I don't know how he has managed to make her feel so comfortable when he spends so much time just giving unsolicited advice and opinions. That, to me, does not make me feel super comfortable with somebody.
0: But that's his way of being like a father figure in her life.
1: And her dad left.
0: Exactly. So he's just like weaseled his way in.
1: That's what abusers do.
0: Which is such a contrast to the relationship that he has with his own kids.
1: She talks about how... He really listens, and he's so amazing, and blah 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 blah. And then it cuts to the news on the radio, which is
2: about yeah, which is about a plane hijacking by a Palestinian group. They don't they're never call Palestinians, but a terrorist terrorists hijack a plane and demand the release of prisoners from Tel Aviv, and they're holding seventeen people hostage on an airplane. It's kind of a dated reference at this point, but one of the things that really was com- not common happened a few times in the seventies, and I think yeah, I think mostly in the seventies was that the PF, mostly the PFLP, but I think other Palestinian groups may have been involved, Palestinian groups would hijack planes to get political prisoners released by the state of Israel. And this is, I, you, I think this this reference to Israel is a reference to those plane hijacked. And I think it's also important to note that in 1987, 1988, this is the beginning of the first intifada. And an intifada is a war of resistance fought by the Palestinian people against the state of Israel. Now, how much do we want to, Can I lay a little bit of background about the Israel Palestine conflict?
1: I think that's important because there is such widespread support for Israel in the evangelical church. To the point where I've seen Israeli flags at the front of the sanctuary next to
2: the 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 Canadian or or, American flag. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: know. (laughs) Who are we worshiping, guys?
0: Yeah, at the church that I used to work at, uh, they had an Israeli flag. They also had a, uh, the pastor also had a, uh, I stand with Israel decal in the front of his door, and we, he would put up newsletters about, like, for Jews for Jesus and, like, Israel support, and there was actually a, in our statement of faith that was, like, stuck to the wall, there's something about how we consider Israel our brothers and sisters and we stand with them and yeah so there's it's very prevalent
1: which is really once you once you learn a little bit about the Israel-Palestine conflict to me seems very problematic to back Israel unconditionally basically perpetrating a genocide would you say that's accurate
2: I would say that's accurate yeah
1: tell us a little bit about Israel and Palestine first of all tell us about the formation of Israel and the anti-semitic origins of this formation of israel
2: okay Uh, i won't go uh, yeah no 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 And i think it's good so the main thing to know about the formation of israel is that at the end of world war one uh because all of what all of palestine was governed by the ottoman empire up until the end of world war one when world war one ended uh palestine's palestine was cleaved off of the ottoman empire and given to the british and then the other arab uh regions were given to france so and that and they and they became so. Palestine, so there was Palestine with the British, and then Syria, Lebanon was created under the French mandate, and so France. So those were the first time those became like in the modern sense countries. And what happens after World War after World War One? One. So 1918. Now something very important had happened before in 1917, which is the the Zionist movement, which was the movement of people of European Jews to Palestine to the hopes of one day creating a state of Israel. Uh, they petitioned and got Minister Balfour, who was the foreign minister of Great Britain, and he said that one day uh, would support the formation of an Israeli state. Now, Balfour himself was a raging anti-Semite, okay? <laughs> and, and this is the thing. So there's a big movement to be like, oh, great, we, if we give them Israel, they'll get out of Europe. Uh, there, there's anti-Semites in Europe who see Israel as a convenience for their anti-Semitic goals, and support the Zionist movement. Now, I, I will in general say that antisemitism um, as a problematic framework is agnostic on Israel-Palestine <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? Because you can be an antisemite, you can hate Jews and love Israel, and you can love Jews and disagree with the state of Israel, right? I don't think someone's position on Israel really tells you whether they're an semite or not. I agree with that. It's almost a whole separate issue because there well, have been a lot of antisemites to support the state of Israel. The chief one being being Balfour, who kind of paved the way for the creation of Israel. Because when in 1918, yeah.
1: And there's also a lot of Palestinian Jews that are being killed by Israel.
2: Yes, there are. So
1: it's not, I mean, we think of Israel as the Jewish state, but actually like there are Jews on the other side of the conflict that are being killed. And if it seems to be, if you are critical of Israel, you're seen as, anti-semitic but
2: there are jews on the other side of this yes There there are jews that are opposed to israel and there are jews who are directly attacked and suffer at the hands of israel israel is really a european settlement movement to palestine and this is really important because yes they have a they have a difficult relationship with the indigenous jews of which there are there were many um, some of whom did join Israel, some of whom didn't, some of whom went elsewhere. Israel is promised by Britain, and then when they get Palestine, the Zionists immediately start agitating, and Britain tries to fight back. So what happens, actually, is you get a situation where the Zionists are actually doing a terror campaign against the British occupation of Palestine. They banks, they're attacking British soldiers, and it's really interesting because you can look at, like, American newspapers from the time, and uh, I, and there's, like, every time... The, the israelis bomb a bank it is a if zionists bomb a bank it is a victory for people everywhere <laughs> Oh my God. so so wow. anyway so like they, they start this campaign of terrorism and by the end of world war ii the the british case the case for british palestine is pretty much over there's a lot of support to you know so people don't have to look their neighbor who they just tried to wipe off the face of the earth in the eye uh, they say why don't you go somewhere else i think a lot of jewish people in europe said probably a good idea and they move on, right? They, a lot of them, a lot of them relocate to the United States. A lot of them relocate to to Israel, and that's kind of how Israel comes about. And then, if you know, they fight another war. They fight a war with the British, and, and eventually get a state. And then they, uh, then they immediately start kicking out. In the late '40s, they start kicking out the Palestinians. It's what's known as the Nakba, when they annexed a whole bunch of land and force march the Palestinians out of there to a little seaside town called Gaza. You might have heard of it. The Arabs militarily try to intervene, but the West militarily supports. Um, Israel, including sending a, like, the entire Israeli Air Corps is actually started out of planes and pilots that the U.S. sends a collection of volunteers from the U.S. And they're, I don't think they're predominantly Jewish, I think they're mostly Christians. Uh, They come and they form the initial Air Corps of the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF. So they get massive support against the Arabs and are quite, and have a lot of technological and military support, which helps them to win against the Arabs. And they've kind of continued to, and then over the, course the 20th century uh, win a couple other major victories against them and really cements their position now to the point where the Arab states are starting to recognize Israel which is bad for the Palestinians because <laughs> they were their only friends
1: and so at the point when they this news in 1988
2: yeah is the is this intif- is the first intifada the war like the big war of resistance where they're really trying to where all the Palestinian armed groups got together and tried to push back against Israel. So Israel's very much in the news. And I in my mind when I listened to this episode, I was sort of like, this was a conversation I think that happened. You can see you can totally tell the guy who wrote this had this conversation. The the radio was playing and someone said, Oh my heart just breaks for the world. So much violence, so much bloodshed and this guy was like, Fuck you. (laughs) Good for Israel. (laughs) They gotta go in there and they gotta blow up some Palestinians. And then they wrote this episode about it.
1: (laughs) So okay. So that was kind of a big digression. We'll try and tie it in later. Um, but so there's this radio. It's like 10 seconds. This yeah. radio announcement. Israelis released 14 terrorists because there was a plane jacking. And Connie says, why does everything have to be so violent? And Wit says, oh, it's been that way since the garden. So then Connie says, why can't people be nice to each other? We should do something about it. And Wit says, I am doing something about it. I'm going to spend more time in prayer. But And Connie's like, but we could, there's got to be a way to stop this. Let's get everyone together and talking because everyone's good deep inside. And Wit says, that's ridiculous. People are evil deep down. Does he say, I think he does say they're evil deep down. He does say
0: evil. Yeah.
1: It's not in our natures to be good. Our nature is evil. Look at these youngsters. You don't have to teach them to misbehave. You have to teach them how to behave. Can I just say, like, whether or not someone is quote-unquote behaving or misbehaving, I don't think has anything to do with their human nature of being good or evil. As far as I understand, um, with kids, whether they're behaving or misbehaving, first of all, like, depends on the rule, whether or not they think the rule is dumb. Right. That's a socialized... Have they... (laughs) Um, received the socialization to care about or even the know. rule or know about the rule second of all if they are misbehaving in a big way then usually it's because they're looking for attention and trying to get some connection right they're like hey i'm hurting i'm showing you that i'm hurting won't someone please come and support me right now so which i also don't think is evil But apparently, kids misbehaving is evil, you guys. So, but Wit said it. We uh, we already know his parenting sucks. Yeah.
0: Um, He it's kids just communicating the only way that they know how to communicate because they haven't been given the emotional like words or emotional understanding to realize like, oh, I have a problem. I can you know bring this up to my parent. It's something's wrong, and so I'm reacting because they don't know how else to react.
1: Yeah, I think it's super problematic to label kids as evil for misbehaving.
2: Well, and that—that and, that is your evidence. Like, yeah, someone. As like, your evidence. Someone yeah. standing on a table. Evil. <laughs> Human nature is
1: evil. Humanity
2: <laughs> is evil by its nature.
0: This is a, a really interesting statement because it's something that I really strongly clung to for a very long time as far as, like, you know, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, whatever, whatever. Therefore, we're all evil, which actually the two don't necessarily connect i actually many a year ago brought this like candace and i were talking about this i can't remember what brought it up but this was when she had some liberation from the church environment and i did not and she said were you in bible school i think i was or i was just before bible school somewhere in that i I think it was when you were working at starbucks so somewhere in there Um, that den of iniquity (laughs) that's where it started Um, and I, and she, and Candace said something about how, well, I think people are deep down are just good people. Like, I think there's goodness in everyone and people deep down are good people. And I was like, I don't, I think everyone is evil. And I just like kind of went on a bit of a rant of, you know, literally basically this thing that Whit said, and this is probably where it came from. And this is probably where it stuck with me is like from this episode, and, and then from teachings within the church, and then also teachings within Bible College. But it just was, and I remember just feeling really sad for Candace that that was her belief system. Obviously, I uh, view things very differently, but I laugh at past me and her ignorance.
1: I don't remember that conversation at all, so. And I don't think... I mean, maybe I had a strong judgment about you, but I don't remember it, so. I've heard this a lot. It's not just Adventures in Odyssey where you hear this ideology, like children, people are evil, right? This idea right. of children misbehaving, it's a very common quote-unquote proof in the church for the nature of humanity as being evil, which is just, i like, it's so ridiculous.
2: Yeah. No, actually, it's even better because the really common proof of children being evil is Lord of the Flies. I heard Lord of the Flies evokes.
1: But that's a secular.
2: No, but in Christian circles, it gets cited. Does it? Oh, yeah. That was cited to me all the goddamn time. Well, it's just like Lord of the Flies. But what is Lord of the Flies? A fictional story.
1: The super interesting thing about Lord of the Flies is, well, not Lord of the Flies, but there was a group of boys who actually did end up on an island together in real life. Right. So this this thing happened and did they kill each other? No, they they worked together and they created a pretty good system and they of support. Yeah. And they were they like farmed. <laughs> they did all these amazing things.
2: So what you have, what you so what you have, being like using a using as evidence a fictional novel. Yeah, that is
1: that is created by one guy's ideology understanding of human nature, which is wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> really, I
2: mean it's a story about the British school system. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's not proof.
1: Okay. So Witt says it takes a lot more than just wishing to change the world which is interesting because he literally just said he was going to change the world by praying
2: <laughs> that's not wishing
1: it's wishing to a very specific fictional being instead of just okay. <laughs> to the universe right
2: all right hot, hot takes <laughs>
1: <laughs> so connie says i promise to treat everyone with kindness gentleness patience, and patience from now on and it's like, whoa, 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 that's going to be way too hard for you. Why don't you just pick one thing, patience, and why don't you, instead of from now on, just try it for uh, four weeks and see how you do. Um, I don't think you can do it.
0: So her thought process behind this is, is basically all you have to do is set an intention. If Like, I can be a better person by just choosing to be a better person intentionally being a better person. Essentially, I think is a fair assessment. <laughs>
2: like, Yet how else
1: that that seems to be what works, okay. deciding to do something and focusing on making an effort to do that. Right. And to change the way you are is how you change the way you are.
0: And then slowly every time reminding yourself that that's what you're doing is how yeah, you accomplish and- any goal.
1: And every time you decide to respond in a certain way, then that kind of rewires your brain so that next time it's a little bit easier to respond in that way. Exactly. Research has been done. But no, that's ridiculous. The only way you can change anything is just to pray. Yeah. But don't wish. <laughs> but God. Um. So then she says, okay, but you're not going to try and like intentionally goad me. Right. Into into breaking my patience and he's like oh you're qualifying it already eh
2: after he specifically issued a bunch of qualifications (laughs) you need to qualify this and then she tries to make a qualification and he
1: and also complains about it saying that i am going to be like completely unlimited have unlimited patience in every interaction with every person no that needs some qualifying some people you you need to not be patient with them.
0: Yeah,
1: having patience with some people enables bad behavior. So I don't think that anyway.
0: Yeah, there still needs to be boundaries within your behaviors with people. Like
1: yes, you still yeah yeah. So Con- nice conflicts with a real thing. Um. So then Whit says it's just a matter of time, and then we're back in the letter that she's writing, and she's like, "Boy, was he right."
0: It's just a matter of time. It's just, like, the smarmiest... <laughs> this is what we were saying earlier, right? But it, What did she you say, Candice?
1: I just said Wit is the smarmiest asshole. Yeah. And I just want to make t-shirts with that, with, like, Mr. Whitaker's face. Just, let's say smarmiest asshole.
0: If you would buy a t-shirt or a sticker of, of this, let us know, and we'll consider including it in our Patreon.
1: This understanding of we can't manage conflict or anything we just have to pray about it but you can't wish about it but we, we definitely can't set intentions to make things better is it just also leaves no space for people to have emotions and work things out
2: yeah, yeah well and it's also the law it's that guy it's that asshole that who shows me like well you couldn't do it you couldn't make everything better or do it perfectly all the time what's even the point
1: Right. right. Like, like that's know.
2: impossible. <laughs> what do you mean? It matters. If if you were if you were nicer to somebody on Tuesday than you would have been otherwise, that matters. Even if you're still shitty to someone on Wednesday. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you were still better on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, and you're trying and you then hopefully realize that you were shitty on Wednesday and then try again the next day. But he's saying, Well, it's not even worth trying. Don't even bother trying. Because you're not going to be able to do it every time.
0: Which seems like some like kind of a weird backwards, like, anti-Christian thing to say. Like, it's, it just, it just, there's kind of a disconnect there. It doesn't make sense to me.
2: It is. It is anti-Christian. Right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and it brings to the question, why is this coming up? <laughs> why are we having this conversation at all? Why do we need to have an exception to the ever to the striving to be a better person as a Christian? Why do we have a Christian telling people not to try to be good? Why? Why? Because Israel, because they can't, they have to suspend their moral code in treatment of the state of Israel. Right? You have to, you have to prepare people for the except to the for the times when they're going to have to actually not behave ethically and morally and not support you know the downtrodden and oppressed because it's inconvenient to empire and its colony in Palestine
1: completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And actually in this instance you don't want people working toward peace.
2: No. That's, that's the last the, thing you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like yeah, and so this guy who's you know, so this guy who wrote this, I assume it's a guy. <laughs> I'm pretty Uh,
1: sure they're all. I mean, in the early episodes, I'm pretty sure it's all male writers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so you know, you have this guy who was like, who was someone was like lamenting, you know, the peace in the Middle East and the way he squared that circle, you know, of being like, well, why do I feel, why do I, why do I just want, why am I filled with this bloodlust for Palestinian babies? Uh, This was the solution that came up, (laughs) and I think this is, and this is really interesting because it's really because. Evangelicism is a yeah Phil Lawler yeah it was it, written
1: by Phil Lawler
2: yeah so, so because evangelicism is a political project right it has to has to address some political issues now anyone who's had a late night you know when they were in their teens or early twenties had a late night rap session with someone where all right we're gonna sit down and we're gonna figure this out you guys uh, and really they really talked it out um, they would always and they have two opposing political views. It'll always just get down to like, well, I think communism is great. And they'll be like, well, I think punch you in the face, drag you through the mud. Libertarianism is the only way we can survive. Uh, and, you know, and then and, the, and eventually the, the right wing person will say to the left wing person. Well, that you know, yeah, your idea is very nice, but it just doesn't work because that's not what people are. Right. And it always becomes some someone says people are good. Therefore, socialism. And someone says people are bad. Therefore, horrible capitalism. <laughs>
1: That's so Your true. <laughs> yeah. And also, but, but it, the thing that gets me is like, people are bad. Therefore we should focus on and nurture the bad parts of our nature.
2: Right. Yeah. So, yeah. right.
1: But we don't, I mean, like, it's really what ends up happening. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like, well, we need to just work with that. Cause we're bad. Like Randy and capitalism. Selfishness is inherently selfishness good. Selfishness
2: is inherent. Yeah. Cause that's the baseline for human behavior. So this is it. So all pol- all political philosophies, require a conception of the human subject they need to construct a human subject to govern initially right and so this is and and this is where every single and this is where all one of those late night conversations is bad because it's based on a false idea about what people are the truth people aren't anything right good and evil if you even think it has utility as a category doesn't have utility in describing the ontology of people right you know, that's not a category people aren't anything they're what not about good or
1: serial bad. killers what about hitler
0: steven was hitler
1: evil <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure. all right yeah so 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 this is the thing even if hitler was evil that doesn't mean that all humanity is evil, right? Right. Doesn't, you exactly. know like did yeah. hitler like are we saying hitler are we saying hitler was evil in his very essence as a human being or like, or we saying, i don't think you things. know i don't think i don't think i don't think you need to say that i don't think i don't think there's anything that really proves that right hitler was eve hitler sure, hitler sure hitler did very destructive things and if you want to describe that as evil i think that is a good example of it it's
1: a descriptor it's not an inherent trait
2: yeah so if you want if, if you want to talk like right. so the evil has no it has no value in describing what all of humanity is in its quintessence bridging over to theology there's this whole theological issue of like well what happens in at the garden what is the post-lapsarian existence right and if you look at it it's like you know what did what did what did eve eat the fruit of the tree of, of the knowledge,
1: knowledge of good and evil
2: right yeah so
1: so knowing the difference between good and evil
2: yeah angered god right yeah is the thing. god's mad at them god didn't want this to happen Right. This is they, they have.
1: Well, didn't it make them like God?
2: Sure, it made. Uh, yeah, that is what it says in, in Genesis. Yeah, um, so you know whatever. But that's. It did not say, and then they were evil, right? They no. gained. They may have gained the capacity for evil if they or whatever but they also But you know, in in one reading, you could say they gained the capacity for evil. That does not mean that postlapsarian human existence.
1: Um, I think you're getting ahead of things a little bit because we haven't got there yet. Sure. Um, Witt's statement about the nature of humanity, I feel like highlight the way he understands himself more than it gives us information about the world in general. And so I would say he might be a straight up evil dude, actually, (laughs)
2: He's, he's outing himself.
1: I think he's outing himself. Um, so then we go to the next... Oh, yeah. Um,
0: so does that mean then that all, say, evangelical pastors that also strongly hold to this belief and preach it are also evil?
1: If you want my personal opinion, I think yes. I think that... A lot of people in positions of power in the evangelical church are straight up yeah. evil. I do.
2: Well, I, I think I think we need to define evil here a yes. little bit, right? This and is what I mean like by that
1: <laughs> is perpetuate oppression of people in order to control them socially. Interesting. And you
2: think a lot of people fit that bill in that profession. I think
1: a lot of people do. Sure. Yeah. And to me, that is an evil action. Sure. I think that's accurate. What do you think? Yeah.
2: Well, we don't need to get into this. we to to.
1: Okay. So then we go to the next little scene that's happening and it's four days later. Connie has been pretty patient for four days. And on the fourth day, she gets asked to read a riddle to some children and she snaps. She cannot get through the riddle without just yelling at the kids
2: not really yelling even she says (laughs) she says they're dense yeah she just was like you guys don't get it you're dense um yeah
1: and yeah she's she's
0: upset specifically because they can't figure out the answer to the riddle not not necessarily because of the riddle itself but because she's like this is so easy anybody should get it and then they can't figure out what the answer is and then yeah and then she snaps
1: Um, And to me, that just highlights the fact that she's been kind of pushing down her anger response and avoiding her emotional reactions for four days. And finally, her body is like, nope, this has to come out. And she explodes over something dumb. Um, But Wit takes that as evidence of her evil human nature. Uh, Because she's like, you knew this would happen. And he's like, well, it's in the Bible it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god which i don't think is the same as saying everyone is evil saying look we're all we we should be striving to be this to to achieve this goal and all of us are not going to make it sometimes right that's not the same as saying you're evil. Or look, here is an impossible standard and you can't reach it. That
2: doesn't mean you're evil. By wit's definition, telling some children that they are dense, because again, she doesn't yell. She doesn't scream. She's pretty calm. Like she's just like, oh my god, you guys are dense. And then she's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And she leaves, right? She told some kids she, in- she mildly insulted some children, which I'm not saying is a good thing. It's a thing you should do. I don't know if a, a teenager's capacity to mildly insult some 10-year-olds is evidence of the Manichaean nature of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a proof. Right.
1: According to wit, it is. It just with this
0: logic, then imperfection is evil. Like anything short of perfection is evil, which means if we are not perfect, we are evil which is not the same as being like it should not it's not, they're not the same thing. They shouldn't be the same thing.
1: Imperfect every What that tells me, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What I take away from that is everyone needs support sometimes. Cuz we can't all do everything all the time. That to me is an an invitation to community.
0: Yeah. And I think that's way more beautiful, that's a way more beautiful interpretation than you're evil and you're going to hell. Did you mention the part where Witt says, being a better person is like treating the symptoms and ignoring the disease. But like, in my mind, this is a weird double standard because it's like, well, your intentions don't matter until you're praying. In which case, right, if you're praying, prayer intentions are very important. But intentions within any other area of your life to try to be a better person, to even something that's like, like morally ambiguous, like I want to accomplish a goal. I want to, you know, like none of that matters.
1: These are the first people to say, and someone calls them on being racist or sexist. And they're like, well, that wasn't my intention. And suddenly intentions are the only thing that matter, not the actual result of your action, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no,
1: that's exactly it. So basically, then Connie's like, well, basically, there's no hope. And Witt's like, oh, no, there's lots of hope. You just have to have change deep down in your soul, which only happens from praying.
2: Well, And accepting Jesus into your heart. Like the good, the, the switch has to be in the on position or nothing matters.
1: Yes. Right? Yeah, you're right, because then once you have Jesus in your heart, then your intentions matter
0: so um yes that's exactly it um what it says is there's hope you're just looking in the wrong place right so it's right and then he quotes the be transformed by the renewing of your mind which in my mind is what Connie was already doing to do not conform to the patterns of the world yet but be transformed by the renewing of your
1: mind which Yeah, isn't that what she was trying to do? Exactly. By having an
0: intention and changing her mind.
1: Yeah, and working toward creating a new way of responding. Exactly. Again, which research shows is the way you change things. And then she says, well, I guess it's dumb to make promises about things like feelings, which, I mean, yeah, you shouldn't be. (laughs) Feelings you should just be free to experience and then move on from. They should not feelings are not a reflection of your goodness or evilness
0: yeah it's uh I guess it's down to make promises about things you can't control like your emotions
1: so there is a recognition that you can't control your emotions but that that admitting that it's like you can't control your emotions because you're evil yeah right 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 again and because you can't control
0: your emotions you should dismiss them all the time. Yeah. Instead of like well, learning to self-regulate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and then she this is this comes to the end of her letter. Like, there's something different about these people. They mean well. Uh, we're all, we're back at intentions again. Exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, was anyone else a little confused about the title, Promises, Promises? Because, like, resolving to be a, a, to respond differently in situations is that, would that be considered a pro, like, is a resolution like a promise? Uh,
0: like I feel like it's a stretch
1: if I felt like that
0: to call the whole episode Promises, Promises and have it kind of not even really be about it at all but then they tie it all together in the exoskeleton or exoplot
1: oh yeah so let's talk about the exo can, can, can we talk oh, yeah. about
2: romans 12 too yeah which where is the is verse they... that that he cited yeah right okay all right so and, and they do quote this at the end of the episode as well but they say you know, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. For just of each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. But basically saying, like, you're part of a community, you're not.
1: But where's the okay, verse? This is all Do the stuff... not be conformed. This is. That's, that's
2: in chat. That's at the beginning. It's, it's verse two. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't don't just go along with what everyone is saying God says, right? You have to determine that for yourself, but also then suborn your understanding into the community of faith that you exist in. And what's everything that's going on here is about wit as patriarch, as as as, as having seniority, yeah. dictating what that means right and so what they're trying not to conform to is like broad trends in stuff
1: except in this instance the point of the whole episode is to conform to yeah like support of israel yeah and the belief that people are evil right but if you were if you were renewing your mind like Connie was trying to do, like actually making an effort yeah. to make the world better in a small way by making small changes. Um, they basically just shat on that. They just took this, they flipped it.
0: Uh, so essentially, the, exo-plot, so it, the episode starts with Chris, she's out bowling, waiting for her friend to arrive, who promised her that they would go bowling and um he doesn't show up so then she calls him and he had slept through he forgot uh and then at the end and so then at the start of the episode it's him saying he'll be right there and then at the end of the episode it's him being there and apologizing because he promised her that he would be there and he was late and he forgot about it uh and so i think that's their way of trying to tie in like promises in this episode but it didn't really relate
1: yeah, they're very different things yeah. that are happening here. Okay, um, I don't know if we want to make this a thing, but I did discover on the Adventures in Odyssey wiki, they have discussion questions for each episode. Amazing. Do you want to discuss some questions from the episode? Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay, there's only three. Well, let's talk about the answer they're looking for and then we can talk about why it's problematic. I think we I mean we've pretty much addressed all these things. So, discussion question 1. Why did Connie fail to keep her promise?
0: The correct answer is because she is evil. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> not because she is human and made a promise to not respond to anything emotional like not respond from an emotional place (laughs) which you know takes a lot of practice in terms of regulating yourself and being able to step back and like breathe and then respond so you know she kind of she was set up to fail but but uh, according to this episode it's because she was evil Connie said that people are basically good why was she wrong? Oh, man. <laughs>
2: because, because of the nature of post human existence. Because Eve and then Adam ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil.
1: And knowing what was good and evil makes you evil.
2: And we know this because a, woman, because a teenage girl mildly insulted some children.
1: Ooh, read Matthew five thirty three to 37. What does Jesus say about making promises? Who's looking it up? That's
2: unfair. I think think it's really unfair. What
1: does Jesus (laughs) say? Well, Well, we have to read the scripture first before we can see what he says.
2: Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king.
1: And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. He's saying, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And Wit has said, it's impossible. If you say you're going to do something, it's impossible. Like what Jesus is saying is, don't make promises because the very idea of a promise is is, goes against living a life of integrity. If you feel, if you need to make promises, it's because people don't trust you. That's what I take from that. Right.
0: It's like speaking out your ass, essentially. Like, don't speak, don't speak out your ass. Um,
1: it's like my oldest child when I ask her to do something and she doesn't do it. And then, I do it for her and then I'm like, okay, hey, we're we're not gonna do this anymore. i no, we're not gonna play with this thing for a while or whatever. No, you can't take that out right now because you didn't clean it up last time. And she's like, Oh, but I promise. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. No, it's too little. It's too late. Sorry. We'll do it again another time, but I'm not cleaning it up again right now. So
0: my question for this is are are New Year's resolutions or like any type of goal or betterment like that? sinful
1: and evil. Well, cuz to me, okay, that also the difference is you make a promise to someone else. Right. Like her resolving to be a better person she, because she said it to she she said it out loud to Wit, but it was really only f- her own right. thing.
2: Well, all this I mean this the verse in Matthew is really just saying, do not try to give your promises additional force. Right? Don't yeah. right. put stakes on your promises. Don't say it in the name of God or in the name of right. heaven. Don't try to make your, cause you're just a person saying a thing and don't try to give it cosmic enforcement because it's not actually something you can do. Right. Right. And that has literally nothing to do with what Connie said.
1: I like that too. because yeah.
2: Connie just made, Connie just made a, just a sense, very sincere resolution to herself to herself she didn't like
1: to try to be better
2: nothing they are not in any way related
1: so that's been our episode thanks for tuning in to adventures in ideology please follow us on social media uh rate and review i've heard that that's good for your podcast
2: If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're definitely an Apple Podcast user, please rate and review. It um, can really the
0: signal. Uh, We can be listened to on Apple or Google Podcasts or Spotify.
2: You got Spotify. Good for you.
1: Or uh, or from our (laughs) website. website. Adventuresinideology.ca
2: Canada, baby. (laughs) Uh,
0: And social media is Ideology Podcast.
2: You guys got Mastodon?
1: No. (laughs) Who has Mastodon?
2: (laughs) No one. No one has Mastodon. Marshall has Mastodon.
1: We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Can oh you put good. That at the end? Yeah. <laughs> put that that's on. that's our
2: secret track like. <laughs>